0: Our scripture reading this morning will be from Colossians chapter 2. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. We'll read the first nine verses. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, Paul says, that their hearts may be encouraged, be knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit and rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Verse 6, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. Just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. No matter what's happening in the world around us, we're built up in Him. We're rooted and built up in Christ. He is the mystery, the fulfillment of God's promise, so that we have something that we can hope in and be encouraged in. See to it then that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been fulfilled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Lord, would you take the time we have together in your word this morning as a body of believers, Walnut Park Baptist Church. Lord, may we see your hand upon us, even as we open the word together. Lord, I am weak today, but you are mighty. And I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be moving in power, using your word knowing that the Word of God is alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So bring us in your way and your will and in your presence. May we understand your glory even now as we will in glory. And may we be encouraged by this reality. Heaven is real. It's eternal. And Jesus Christ, you've made that for every believer to enjoy you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, it's good to be back. Been away on a sabbatical for four weeks through the month of May and was here last week as well, but uh, it's good to be back. And by the way, I'd highly recommend a sabbatical. If any of you want to know how to do that, I've got some advice now. We, we know how to do that. And uh, that was such a treat. And thank you to a loving church congregation who made that available and possible for us to do that. In 40 years of ministry, I've never had a chance to do anything like that. And it's like, what do you do with a sabbatical? But we figured it out. And I tell you what, it was good to be able to be with my wife 24-7 for four solid weeks. I don't know that she'd say the same thing about that about me. But the Lord did some good things through that for us. And uh, I needed that. It took me about 10 days to chill out. You know, <laughs> It just took me a while to go, oh, okay, hey. This is what it feels like to not be all uptight. <laughs> and uh, I really enjoyed that and thought, Man, let's put this into a jar and, you know, keep opening up and remember, you know, let's take from that on an ongoing basis. But, so back to the work. There's a lot to do. Our text is Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And we're led here today because over a period of months, I've been drawn to this summer series I'd like to start today. And we'll go for several more weeks. I'm not sure exactly how many more weeks. We'll get back to the book of Mark, I guarantee you. Uh, But I want us to have a summer series thinking about heaven. And I've been mulling this over for months now. And the reason I've been mulling it over is because I need this. I need this series, this meditation on heaven. What God tells us in the Bible about heaven. And here's a question for you. How much do you think about heaven? What do you know about the future and how it all will unfold? Christian, what is it about heaven that makes you want it? And what difference does that make in your life today? Heaven. I'd also like to urge you to get a children's book and read it. Um, in fact later on this month I'll probably take some time to read that when all the kids are in here but this book is called the awesome super fantastic forever party the awesome super fantastic forever party anybody here have you read this little book oh you got to read it every family has to have it every grandparent has to have this my grandson's in uh New Hampshire said that this is their favorite book ever. They want to read it every night. The Awesome, Super Fantastic Forever Party. Uh, a true story about heaven, Jesus, and the best invitation of all. But what I want you to note is that it uh, is written by Joni Erickson Tata. Joni Erickson Tata is about my age, maybe a little bit older, but when she was 17, uh, she had a horrible accident. Uh, diving into some shallow water and she became a quadriplegic and uh, yet somehow she has remained joyful in fact as I consider the years and think back over things I'm trying to remember somebody that I thought of as somebody that was that's a happy person Chuck Swindoll seemed to be that way I don't know every time every picture you had of Chuck Swindoll he always had this big smile on his face there are some other preachers that aren't so happy (laughs) grumpy looking Uh, but he's got that but Probably the most joyful person I can think of in our modern Christian culture is Joni Erickson Tata. Ah, uh, how'd she do that? She, she wrote this book recently, but back in 1995, I remember this. I remember thinking, wh- how, how could she write this book? I mean, she's a quadriplegic. But yet she's so joyful. In 1995, she wrote a book called Heaven, Your Real Home, from a higher perspective. Somehow we have to get to that higher perspective. I'd encourage you to read this book as well, quote after quote that you'll want to hang on to. Your real home, Christian, is not here. It's heaven. But it is home. Do you know how good it feels to get home? Uh, a few weeks back when we were coming back into Iowa, my wife was just so excited. We're in Iowa. We're back home. I said, where, where is home to you? She said, Iowa. We love it here. That's the way we'll be when we get to heaven. It'll be home. And um, I guess it comes down to this. Your whole perspective on life, that higher perspective comes down to this. What you think about heaven determines everything. Let me say that again. What you are thinking right now about heaven will determine how your week will go, no matter what the circumstances are. So, I'd, again, I'd encourage you to buy those two books, uh, The Awesome Super Fantastic Forever Party and Heaven, Your Real Home from a Higher Perspective. Here's my concern. Our culture today is... Increasingly discouraging, especially for Christians. There's almost this uh, hmm, hopelessness that I see in young people and 20-something Christians. Like, why even try? It's so bad. And then we're bombarded with other junk just every day you can't look you can't check your news feed you can't watch the news that's what old people do all right but you can't you can't check out the news and 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 even just even even tolerate looking at at the head heading because it's just it's so wicked and it's like and Christians are intimidated into thinking I don't I don't know what to do in this day well Christian your home is in heaven we seek a city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God there's more to come and this world is not what it's about so somehow we need to help get past the hopelessness that our culture is throwing at us and it's a death culture our culture is a death culture and it, everybody's out for revenge, and everybody else is wrong, and I'm the only one that deserves to be happy, and, and, and everybody's arguing and screaming at each other, and it's just, let, can't we get past that? What's going to help? Well, Christian, I believe with all my heart, and that's why we're spending this time together as a church family through this summer, the thing that's going to help is our meditation on heaven. So for the next several weeks, that's what we'll do. And the reality is, this is my observation, most of us think very little about heaven. It just doesn't cross our minds. And there are several reasons for that. Um, In fact, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you even yet today have had one single thought about heaven? Other than coming here and we're singing about it, all right? Some of you are raising your hands, thank you. All right, But uh, it doesn't even cross our mind normally. We're caught up with what's for supper, or what I have to do today, or what's... What's the next sports event? Or, you know, what I have, you know, all the busy schedule, my to do list. I think there's some reasons why we don't think about heaven. Number one, a person might not truly be saved. Number two, other things have become our focus more important. That's all we think about. We don't even take time to think about heaven, we don't even try to think about heaven. And number three, there's a lack of knowledge about what really heaven is or an inaccurate knowledge. We have some wrong assumptions about what heaven is. Randy Alcorn wrote about a pastor. and, a, uh, the, and, he, and This pastor made this startling confession. He said, when, Whenever I think about heaven, it makes me depressed. A pastor is saying that. Whenever I think about heaven, it makes me depressed. I'd rather just cease to exist when I die. Well, The pastor that was talking to him tried not to so, so shock, and so then he asked, well, why? And that doubting pastor said, I can't stand the thought of that endless tedium to float around in the clouds with nothing to do but to strum on a harp. It's all so terribly boring. Heaven doesn't sound much better than hell. I'd rather be annihilated than spend eternity in a place like that. That pastor was misinformed or uninformed. He didn't have the right information. But I think it's more common than we want to think. Is that how you think? Like, I don't really want to go to heaven. Yeah? Sometimes you may want to delay it a little bit, like last, last Saturday, Sean, and Allison, were getting married. I have a feeling they were saying, Lord, can you come back next week? (laughs) Let's get this wedding done. You know, we've been looking forward to it for seven years. Was it seven years? Six Six years. It just seemed long. Okay. All right. Heaven is so much more than we could ever consider. I think it's an important thing for Christians to have go-to verses about heaven that they automatically are drawn to. What would be your heaven verse? That is, that's your verse? That's the one you go to again and again. When you need to think about heaven, you'll go there. Anyone come to mind? John 14, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive it myself, so that where I am there you may be also. That's a favorite. Or how about this, Romans 8, verse 18, The suffering of this present time cannot be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. That might be a heaven verse. Or Revelation 21, uh, he will wipe away all tears, right? Here's my heaven verse. You ready? Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. This is the one I go to constantly. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. I'd like to encourage you to try to memorize this over the next couple of weeks. And have this as one of your favorites, your go-to verses about heaven. Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Now, In this verse, as we've studied out together here this morning, I I see three directives for us to be prompted by. The first one is this. Recall the only way to heaven. It's faith in a risen Lord who raises us to be with Him. Notice the first word in this verse in chapter 3, verse 1 of Colossians. That first little word is If. So often in our Bible study, we just slide by those little words, yet those little words give us so often the key to understanding the whole passage. This little word, if, is a very important if. A conditional clause in that language of the New Testament. uh, It's very important to interpret it correctly because it can be interpreted in three different ways. A conditional clause could be true to fact. It could be contrary to fact or it could be a condition dependent upon qualifying facts. So the question is, when we come to this word, if, in this context, in the original language, we have to think, which way is it supposed to be interpreted? If, as in, I know this is true, or if, as we know it's not true, or if, as in, hmm, it kind of depends, which one is it? Many of you have translations of the Bible that has. The word since here. Since you have been uh, raised with Christ. So that tells you that they've given you the interpretation. This is a first class condition if clause. Like, we know this is the fact. You have been raised. Paul is stating a condition true of these believers in Colossians. It's true to fact here for these believers. If and we know it's true, we know it's true that you are risen with Christ. So because of that, seek the things that are above. So it's assumed, it's understood that it is true. And that's because of what we read in chapter 2, verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, Jesus took our sins to the, to the depths of this deepest part of the ocean, never to be brought up again, so that we can understand forgiveness and cleansing. He paid the penalty for us all, in which you were also raised with him. So if you've been raised, how have you been raised? It's through faith, Colossians Colossians 2, verse 12. It's through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. That's the gospel. Your faith is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, there is a holy God. Who is far above us and we have all fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death because God as a holy God is a just God. He must punish sin. Yet this holy God who is just will always do the right thing. And that's what the word justice means. It means righteousness. God is right in what he does. He always does the right thing. So this God who is holy and just says, I'm going to do the right thing because I love you. I'm going to fulfill a promise I've made to you. And at the very beginning of the Bible and all through the Old Testament, this promise is renewed again and again. I'm going to send a promised promise. Messiah, the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. And all through the Bible, all through the Old Testament, are there are these promises given, and these sacrifices point to the one who could actually fulfill it. There's only one who can solve the problem of our sin, and that was God in the flesh, the Messiah, Jesus. And He comes because He loves us. For God so loved the world That he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. This holy God who is just loves you and me, and he offers this gift of salvation as a gift of God's grace. God giving us what we cannot do for ourselves. For by grace we are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. We have the gospel. Our sins are buried. We're raised to walk with Him in newness of life. That is a believer's assurance. So if you've been raised, think about heaven. If you're alive in Christ, think about heaven. But the reality is there are a whole lot of people that aren't going to heaven. Will everyone go to heaven? No. The certainty of heaven that Paul talks about here isn't an absolute certainty for everyone. You can go to church all your life and you're not going to heaven. That's not what gets you to heaven. You can can have all the religion in the world. In fact, for many, as they come to this word if, it's not sense, it's, well, it's not true to fact. For many, it's a condition contrary to fact. They've not been risen with Christ. They've not placed their faith in Christ alone for their salvation. They're working through it on their own. They're depending on their works, or they're thinking it's not even possible. I found it interesting that this week, a man by the name of Arnold Schwarzenegger expressed his views about heaven. Anybody else read about this? Several of you. A little background. um, Arnold, the body... Builder, when I say that name, everybody gets the picture. You know what he looks like and had all the fame and movies and became the governor of California. They have such a way of picking governors, don't they? (laughs) And uh, his life fell apart a number of years ago because he had been living a lie and lied to his wife and had an affair and found out and his marriage went to pot, right? Know that story? He was caught in that lie. Here's what Arnold had to say about heaven. Heaven is a fantasy. It's just a feel-good pill. You know, just take it to make you feel better. Heaven is a fantasy. And anyone who says otherwise is a liar. I pray for Mr. Schwarzenegger. He's a very depressed man. He needs hope. He needs the gospel. He needed to be raised in Christ. And I know this, Jesus doesn't lie. We know that Arnold did. Jesus doesn't. Jesus will always tell you the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So don't be dissuaded with the philosophies of this world who says heaven is just a fantasy. Keep your eyes fixed on the one who tells you the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is truth. Truth is a person who lives it out before us in perfect righteousness. And I choose to believe Jesus. A second directive here. In this passage, if you then being raised with Christ, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above. We have in these verses uh, two important verbs. And I see these verbs quite often because we have this plaque in our living room that has this very verse, set your mind on things above. That's the most important exercise. It's a discipline of the mind. This word froneo, uh, seeking and setting your minds. And there are two verbs that are imperatives. They're present active imperatives. So you've heard this many times. When you come to a present active imperative in the scriptures, it's there on purpose. Uh, it's stated that way in that language to emphasize a point. This is something that you do and then you keep on doing it daily over and over again. This is, this is a routine. It becomes a practice or a discipline of the Christian life. To on purpose seek the things that are above. Present active imperative to keep on seeking. Or may I say it this way you crave it. What do you crave? Chocolate? Coffee? No. <laughs> Success? Fame, love, what what are you craving in life? What we are to crave is heaven. Seek this, crave this, long for this, look for this, want this more than anything else. Seek the things that are above. And set your mind, or as I think the King James, set your affection on things that are above, not on things on the earth. This word, setting your mind, is, is, a, is a word that I think is really important. In fact, it's, you, can, you can do this kind of word study real simply. Um, if you'd like to have some thoughts about how to do it, interact with me. We can Because it's so easy on the Internet with so many free resources. You can look up what a Greek word is. You can take that Greek into, into Google, and you just hit it there, and it'll come up with a whole word study for you. I did this this morning with this word, froneto And boom, I had this whole word study there, and it was on a on a wikipedia type connection like they have word studies now that's cool but franeo means to think in a certain way or with purpose or to be emphasizing this to agree with what you know is true we agree with this in our minds that we know what jesus has revealed about heaven that's reality you're setting your mind on reality And that's what I hope to encourage you to do and to develop as a pattern, a habit in the weeks to come. That this be your treasure, this be your your passion. Your your craving becomes your routine, wanting heaven. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. C.S. Lewis, I don't quote him often, but he had something to say here that I think was significant. Most of us find it very difficult to want heaven at all. Are you there? Doesn't even cross your mind? Except insofar as heaven means meeting again our friends who have died. That's when we think about heaven. One reason for this difficulty is that we have not been trained We've not disciplined our minds. We've not been trained. Our whole education tends to fix our minds on this world. Yep. When was the last time you heard a series of sermons on heaven? We very rarely get around to that. Here we are. He went on to say this. If you read history, you will find that Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. Let me say that again. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. This is what we emphasize. We know the reality of the gospel. We emphasize what's next. Heaven. Christian? Look forward to it. Mind this truth. And the number three, this is what I want to be expanding on in the weeks ahead. And in your notes there, if you'd change that first word and number three to the word relish. Not just recognize, but relish. Ah, oh, you, take, you take enjoyment in this. When you relish a good dessert or when you relish a good, uh, I don't know, could walk out in the first beauty of the morning, or I don't know what, what, but what do you what do you say? Man, that's beautiful. Relish the beauty of heaven. Get excited and enjoy the accurate truth of heaven. It will be glory. Look at verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him where? In glory. You had a great study of that just a few weeks ago when (coughs) Ken Farrar spoke about that word glory as it's revealed through the scriptures. The splendor, the beauty, the weightiness, the awesomeness of this, our God, who when we realize in his Shekinah glory, we're in his presence, that's what life was meant to be. Wow. Relish the beauty One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. That's heaven. It will be glory. I think this is where Joni Erickson Tada gets it right. Her story is not about her suffering or her victimhood or her miseries, even though she's going through cancer again. Her story is, look what we have to look forward to. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Heaven is going to be so We do tend to emphasize the temporal descriptions of heaven. Streets of gold. Imagine that. Jewels. A river of life. A tree of life. And I think there's a good reason for that. That's the way the Bible describes it. This new heaven on earth. Uh, I have this book here. It's a big, thick book. There are smaller editions and, you know... Parts of it that are thought out, but Randy Alcorn's work on heaven—you got to do it. You got to read it. Take some time on it. Just study it again, and again. I know our our joy class over here in the aquarium—they went through it for about a year and and just went over and over and over. Dwelling on heaven—that's a good thing. Um, I now, does he get it all right? I don't know. He's got a good imagination, but it's better than he can even imagine, right? Would you think a lot about heaven? It's heaven on earth, a new Eden, if you will. What's the best thing about heaven? Well, consider what won't be there. Well, we'll get to that one in just a minute, all right? Consider what won't be there. What won't be there? Sin. Sin. Sirens. (laughs) Sadness. Pain. Death. No more death. <laughs> no more politics. And all God's people said, bring it on. Yeah. But praise God for politicians who are doing the job to help us. I say that because Mark's here. Okay, all right. And I appreciate you. Because somebody's got to step in and stand in the gap. Amen? There's so many things that won't be in heaven. Ken has a great study. Uh, Text him if you'd like to have this. He has a whole list of things that won't be in heaven. And we'll expand on that in the coming weeks. And we'll expand on what will be there. What will be there? The best thing about heaven is Christ is there. The best thing. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He makes, making the purification for sins, we cannot do that, but he does, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's where he is, this one who is the radiance of the glory of God, Jesus. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And not only is Christ there, Christ rules there. Joni said that the first thing in heaven that she's going to do is to drop to her knees and offer a sacrifice of paralyzed praise to Jesus. I think we all will. In 1 Peter 3, verse 22, Peter, speaking of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to Him. He rules. Every knee shall bow. Therefore God has highly exalted Him, bestowed on Him the name that is above every, every name, so that... At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me urge you as you walk away from here to have some takeaways that you are going to do with what you've just heard these last few minutes. Are you in Christ? If you are risen with Christ, seek the things which are above. So I want you to go back and review the gospel. What it means by faith to be raised with Christ to newness of life. Are you truly a believer? Maybe the reason you're not looking forward to heaven is you've never truly been saved. And wouldn't it be a horrible thing to think all these, time, all these years, well, I, you know, I went to church or I prayed a prayer or whatever, and, and you're not truly risen with Christ. You're not a believer. I beg you, turn to Christ in faith. Repent of your sin. Look to Him. And whatever God does to get your attention, to bring that about, say thank you, Jesus, and come to Him, believing in Him as your Lord and Savior. And if you're hearing the gospel again today, it's the goodness of God that you get to hear that, to draw you unto Himself and respond to the gospel. I beg you. I beg you, respond to the gospel. Think on that. Think on heaven. And search out the scriptures and have your go-to verse that's your heaven verse and add to that list. Think much about heaven and enjoy the anticipation. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small. When we see Christ, one glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So, Christian, bravely run the race till we see Christ. Let's pray. Oh God, give us bravery as we face the trials that are before us, life. Lord, the only way we can have that is to have hope in Christ. I pray that there would be somebody here today who would say, I want Jesus to be my Savior. If that's your prayer, that's your hunger, that's your desire, would you just catch me afterwards or text me to say, can we talk? I'd love to do that. Lord, would you draw us as a church body of believers to have hope and boldness and courage in this world that's so wicked because we have heaven to look forward to. Nothing can take it away. So that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. What can man to me do to me? because we have the risen Christ who said, I'm coming again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. Oh God, give us this conviction, this joy in this conviction, anticipation of what we'll be able to do in heaven and enjoy in heaven and relish in, trust into that fellowship. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me and